Hey, this is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Well, hello, hello, my gentlemen friends. What's up? Hey, Sailor, how you doing? Good to be back for round three in this What's going uh, on, guys? season. Yeah. yeah. Exciting. Train's it's fun rolling. to be back. Yeah. Train it's fun is to be rolling. Back. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, before we get started, something really important that I want to tell you. Um, because I was late sending you a Christmas present, I wanted to let you know that I got you both glockenspiel lessons. <laughs> wow. How did you know? <laughs> I found I an in- instructor in each of your cities to give you um, glockenspiel lessons. I-, 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 I was kind of going back and forth between the guitar and the glockenspiel, you know, and I just felt like it was a little more useful. I don't know. Actually, no, you got yeah, it right. I, I kind of had my heart set on the key tar, but Glockenspiel, I'll take it. That comes in a close <laughs> second. And private lessons, too. One-on-one lessons. I know, right? It's going to get no intense. <laughs> so, awesome. yeah. Uh, Merry, Merry late right. Christmas. Happy late Hanukkah and Man, all those was, things. It was worth the wait. <laughs> I'm so glad. Awesome. I can't wait to hear the <laughs> tunes that you will jam. <laughs> <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> So I also, I think we have a little celebration announcement for um, our Spirit of Rock family. I do believe that Matt and Jenny are expecting a new baby. That's, that's what yes. I hear, yes. <laughs> that's what you hear. <laughs> a, no, a new member yes. of the family. Yes, we are. All right. The Spirit of Rock podcast network family is growing. Yes, it is. Uh, My uh, pretty good for a girl sister and your wrestling with respect co-host and wife is going to have a baby boy. Is that correct? Another correct. boy? Yes, another boy. Two boys, you're building a hockey team, I saw. Yes, I am. Okay, yes. Matt, Matt with, with my four girls over here, Matt's trying to balance the scales. I love there. it. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just keep getting cats and dogs. There you go. Everything is even that works. There we go. <laughs> yes. So, um, Thank you. You're welcome. Super welcome. Um, so, tonight, we have decided that, actually... This year, we are committed to scratching an itch that we all have. Um, For the past two years, now that we're entering our third year of recording, certain topics have come up in threads. Um, The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, the asshole writers of Rolling Stone, Um, things like that, that have really kind of been a bee in our bonnet for a while. And we decided this year that we were going to crush some of these topics and just get a chance to vent and just get it out of our systems. So, um, tonight we're going to do just that as, uh, (laughs) the rock and roll hall of fame is a hot topic at the moment. We are going to weigh in on this and, um, it's going to be interesting We're going to talk a little bit about the history of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, why it was founded, how it was founded, the criteria for inducting people, and all of the shade that has been thrown. The snubs that have driven us crazy continue this year, and I don't think they will ever stop. I think that 
Um, we're going to all probably agree in the end on this, and I have a feeling our listeners will also. I'm a shape The only gun I need is the ace of spades. The ace of spades. Playing for the high wall, dancing with the devil. Going but before we tackle uh, that seemingly never-ending itch, um, as Sailor so eloquently put it. Uh, we, of course, drink on this show, as you know. Um, it is Metal Rock and Whiskey after all, so this is the part where we go around, leading into one of our whiskey segments. And, of course, this week is my turn on the whiskey segment. I think you're all going to love it. But uh, what do you guys have in your glass tonight? Who wants to go first? Well, talking about uh, stuff that's been brewing and simmering for a while and aging, um, sounds like uh, whiskey. Um, Anyway, since we're on the subject of what should be rock and roll, um, I decided I would grab what I thought was the most apropos bottle in my collection, and that's the New Riff Single Barrel. Oh, that stuff is so heavenly. I am so in love with New... First of all, shout out to New Riff. They are my peeps. Oh, hell yeah. Love those folks. Um, I was a Cincinnati girl for many years. Um, could walk right over the river to my favorite uh, store to buy whiskey, which was in Newport, Kentucky. And New Riff is in the same parking lot as the party source. Have done many a whiskey tastings there and um, had attended several events at the new rift distillery um and the people there are just so fantastic and the whiskey is just damn good yeah this um they really they stepped up and kind of knocked it out of the park with their first uh first whiskey releases um what i have here it's a barrel proof single barrel uh non-chill filtered and this particular uh Barrel comes in at 111 proof, which is 55.5% alcohol by volume. And um, let's see, I think there is an indication of age on here. All right, it was distilled on December the 9th, 2014, and bottled on December the 10th, 2018. So it's pretty much exactly four years old. Mm-hmm. And damn, if it doesn't, I mean, I've had a lot of four-year-old bourbons and they, a lot, it doesn't most taste of them like doesn't, it. don't hold a candle yeah. to this. Yeah. The new riff it's, tastes it's like amazing. eight, t- tastes like a seven to eight year, in my opinion. It's right. beyond its years. I mean, yeah, totally, I could say. Yeah. totally. And I, yeah. I remember when they were building their facility and they didn't announce it before they broke ground to the masses. And I was like, what are they building here in this parking lot of the party source? And when I found out it was going to be a distillery, and then when I found out who was going to kind of be running the show, I was so excited. They, they're just, they're very intelligent people that are very well connected um, in the whiskey business in Kentucky and just did all the right things and took their time and um, took great pains to building a facility to, a modern facility to really make the best whiskey you could. And um, there, there are several of those being built at the moment. And it's very, very exciting. Yeah. I think uh, Bardstown kind of took a page out of their playbook 
because uh, Bardstown is again another. You, you could say the same things about them. They're killing it with their releases. Uh, very modern uh, distillery. Yeah. So, but uh, New Riff, they were uh, they were there a little bit earlier. Nice choice. Nice, nice choice, Ed. I get asked the question sometimes: What should I be drinking now? What hot new bourbon do you have? Mm. Who haven't I heard of maybe mm. that I should be trying right now? And New Riff is always the first That's one that one. I go to. Um, and you there know you they go. don't they don't source anything. You know, not that there's anything wrong with sourcing, as we've discussed, no. uh, but they do it, as you said, sailors so eloquently, again, painstakingly, the right way, taking their time. And uh, there's something to be said for that, because the quality is there. Now, I believe they did source um, under a different brand in the beginning, right? The OKI, wasn't that the same <laughs> That's people? correct. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is... Uh, you know, you can choose to make vodka and gin while you're waiting for your whiskey to age when you're a new distillery, or you can find product that is very similar to what your mash bill is going to be or something that you really believe in, and you can give that treatment, your own treatment, such as your own barreling process, again, re-age it, um, filter it a certain way, um, the whiskey brand that I work for, Uncle Nearest, that's exactly what we do. Under the legendary Sherry Moore's tutelage, we um, have chosen whiskey that is very similar, um, you know, in some respects to what we make, um, that we've got back aging, and we uh, re-oak it, and we do three steps of filtration. And as a matter of fact, the interesting thing, and this has happened a few times before we went up against our source several times in, um, in a, you know, uh, contests over the year in 2019 and we beat them every time. So, you know, you can just take something sourced, stick it in a bottle and call it yours. I'm usually like, Meh, then what makes it yours? That's usually not my favorite way for people to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use your own process, or like I said, you can just choose to go with white spirits while you're waiting for your product to age um, until it's ready. None of those re- ways to do it are wrong, more wrong or more right. It's whatever you choose to do that works while your juice is aging. But um, for me, I would go with sourcing, hands down. Because I love the art of blending. I think the art of blending is just so fascinating. Matt and I are both big fans of of master blenders. So, um, yeah, that's that's one of the things I love about New Riff. I agree with you. Excellent choice. Cool. How about you, Sailor? Well, I went a, a bit literal today. So I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is fucking garbage. So I'm drinking fucking garbage today. I think I've done this only one other time, right, on the show. Way back, I think it was April of 2017, maybe, or around there. uh, April Fool's? Yeah, I think I was drinking like a bullshit gross Chardonnay or something. Yeah. Well, my friends, tonight... I feel like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame deserves only one thing, and that would be... Oh, my. Your basic white girl... uh, White white claw. claw. God. (laughs) So that is what I am throwing... That is worse than Fireball. That is Uh, worse than my Fireball whiskey set. It is. Uh, Well, they're kind of like sisters. Yes. (laughs) 
One's just a little naughtier than the other. Yes. <laughs> so that's what I felt. Uh, yeah. That, that's what I feel goes with the bullshit Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay, well, there's a strong wow. statement right there. There you go. Uh, interesting. Well, I am not drinking my whiskey segment, so I'm actually going to double dip here real quick. I'm going to do what I'm drinking, and then I will jump into my whiskey segment. Sounds good. So uh, I am drinking Noah's Mill. Oh. Straight Ooh. Yum. Burp. Yes. Now, uh, Ed is going to disagree with me on this, uh, but for some reason, and I haven't been quite able to pinpoint this yet as many times as, I, as, I, as I've had it, but I've had a lot of things from Willet, and the stuff that has Willet on the label, I don't find nearly as good as the other brands that they either produce or bottle or market. So Noah's Mills included in that. Uh, Rowan's Creek would be another one. Johnny Drum. Those bottles, I just they're out of this world, fantastically delicious. And this one is about 100, almost 115 proof, full bodied, uh, kicks your butt, which I love. Uh, but a lot of dried fruit, a lot of nuttiness to it. Uh, just an all around super solid bourbon, and it's fucking under 60 bucks. So I love that as well. Nice. Uh, not. Yeah, not super readily available, at least in our market here. Don't know about you guys, but um, I pick up a bottle every time I see it. Yeah, that one's been kind of on the periphery of my radar. You know, it's piqued my interest here or there. But I don't know why you you, you would say I would disagree with you. I've only had one bottle of Willet labeled um, bourbon, and that was the pot pot still. Yeah, which I didn't like. Yeah, which I loved. So we were on opposite. That's what I meant by that. Yeah. And yeah, I just went back to that the other night. And man, there was something about that. There's just such a unique kind of uh, quality to it that this does it for me. At one point, I think I almost got a little bit of a taste of something that I only experience in scotches when I was drinking that Willet. Just for a moment, I got a hint of something. I can't put my finger on it, but I, it just made me think of this of a scotch. But um, yeah, that pot still, maybe it be, it's because it was a, in a pot still. Maybe that has something to you do with it. You drink several things that are pot still, though, I think. I don't think you're going to taste a pot still in that respect. In my opinion, I don't I think mean, that's maybe just what it because is. Distilling in a pot still is different than a column still, and you're going to sure. get different qualities. Yes. Um, um, I don't think it's a single pot still, like a single pot still Irish whiskey. Yeah. No, I don't think it's no, the no. same. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. no, no. Um, and you've liked, uh, you've liked, like, you liked Monkey Shoulder. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I can think of several things that are um, double pot still that you enjoy. I still think you have a weird palate. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I have no. Let's let's let's. I have a unique palate. Let's there, you there you go. Hey, weird is good. I like weird. I find I feel like it's a good word. But yes, okay. Okay. I like, we'll call it I like u- unique. Weird yes. palate. I'm with Ed on that. Unique is good. Unique New York. Unique New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are drinking better shit than I am tonight. <laughs> oh show let's get into this whiskey segment matt i can't wait to see what you've chosen all right let's do it you think I did, but I said I 
All right, guys. Well, as rock and roll and metal fans, as that cold dead of winter, or endless summer for me, really, turns on and the calendar ticks to... (laughs) And I always got to throw that in there, sorry. Uh, (laughs) And that calendar ticks to January. We all look forward to and hold our collective breaths for the announcement of the annual inductees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And year... Quote, unquote. Yes, we'll talk (laughs) talk about that. (laughs) And year after year after year, we are left in utterly pissed off moods, disappointed, outraged, whatever other superlative you want to throw in there, that so many iconic, legendary, influential bands and artists are left out in the cold time and time again. Despite the many issues with the process over the past seemingly forever, uh, and the naming of inductees, uh, which we will discuss, every once in a blue moon, and I mean very, very rarely, they actually get something right. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, Deep Purple, just some examples of some warm, sunny days in the midst of those endless winters. We see this in Whiskey too, amidst a plethora of subpar offerings in certain categories, really one in particular that I'll discuss, Every once in a while, we get a gem. Diamond in the rough, every once in a while, they actually get it right. So, of course, not to beat a dead drum here, I'm talking about Canadian whiskey. So, and the one I feel they got right is Masterton's 10-Year Straight Rye Whiskey. Have you guys had this before? I have Never not. Never even heard of it. Never even heard of I've it. I've heard of okay. it. I have, not yeah. had, I have not had the chance to sample it, though. Okay, and this is interesting because, and I had always thought this just looking at the bottle, um, and I'd actually, on doing a little bit further research on this bottle, there are actually other, you know, much more educated contemporaries of us that actually said the same thing, and I found it very interesting. Um, And I'm just going to pull this quote directly from one of these people. Uh, It says, like many popular Canadian distilled whiskeys that end up rebottled for the American market. Masterton straight rye whiskey has done its darndest not to appear Canadian. <laughs> and which just, which just speaks volumes it to does. what I said. It does. Yes, and what it's we've sad. I feel, I it's feel very so sad. sad. It, it shouldn't have sad. to be that way. They're smart, but they're smart. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and this, they actually, they do use American rye for this. And I guess that it's distilled in Canada it's exported. Uh, it's distilled and aged in Canada, and then exported back to the U.S. Do we? We uh, don't know what type of rye. Is it New York rye, or at least in the upper? Uh, it's a Pacific uh, Pacific Northwest rye. Oh, so, so they're are they on the West really? Coast? Okay. I believe so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, gotcha. There's not a lot, uh, and amongst this research, there's not a lot of information as far as where it's distilled. Uh, yeah. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess lending to the fact that they're trying to not look Canadian. Maybe they're um, but, using one of the big. I wonder if they're using one of the big, this commercial distilleries in Canada, which you wouldn't want to put your name to those. So no, again, not, very yeah. smart. Yes, good for them. Yes, um, <laughs> let's help them out. <laughs> but, and it, you you look at the bottle and you could it looks like you'd be, okay. This is a seventy dollar American rye whiskey, but. This stuff's fantastic, and it it's head and shoulders above any of its contemporaries. Mm. Not even close. Like, not even close for me. So it's 
very, very cereal grain oriented, which I guess you don't see a lot of rye that are this old. So maybe it just has something to do with letting the rye sit in the barrel for 10 years. Um, Ooh, a 10 year that, rye. Wow. Yeah, you get more of that, more of that just real deep cereal notes to it. Ooh. But I, I was blown away by this. Not enough to change my opinion on it as a category because I don't think you can just do that by having one like no. this. No, not at all. No. Um, and, you know, historically, there I have issues with it, but it's just phenomenal stuff. And it's $70, which, you know, puts it below things like Whistlepig and, you know, Angel's Envy, just to right. name a few of the popular ones that are in that, like, $80 to $85 price point. And it's just fantastic stuff. And it's Well, it already sounds like it's better than Angel's Envy because I don't Absolutely. care. I don't understand. I do yeah, not understand the people uh, the excitement about angels envy i don't get it but yeah um but yeah just to put a bow on this great stuff and it's something that they got right well, <laughs> i'm excited I really like yeah yeah i'm super excited about this because i mean we do poop on the canadian you know category and i mean they're it's fair because you know, we are conscientious whiskey drinkers and, you know, we've been drinking whiskey for a long time and are looking for, I mean, I don't care where it's from. Literally, tell me that it came from the Bayou of Louisiana and I'll be like, sure, great climate for making bourbon, you know. I don't care if it comes from Lithuania, as long as it tastes good in the bottle, who cares? But I think part of my anger, and I know that we have expressed this before on the show is I think that uh, Canadian whiskey is trying to pass themselves off as American whiskeys. Um, Canadian whiskey is putting the word bourbon on their labels. <clears throat> Crown Royal. Um, yes. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just and and I have a much there's a much larger issue be- behind Crown Royal, which is um, the reason the Black Bourbon Society exists you know, uh, continuing to offer complete and total fake garbage. It's not even real whiskey um, to a certain collection of people that you feel don't have elevated palates and, you know, can't financially support uh, whiskey that's that's price premium is a fucking load of bullshit, too. And so I think that's also what pisses me off about about that category. So I love hearing about this. I love, I mean, I have seen it several times and honestly been like, it's Canadian because I read everything on the bottle. I'm not trying, I'm not drinking this. So I feel like we need to give this our support for all you whiskey drinkers out there listening to this show. Please go out and get a bottle of this. We'll put it in the show notes. I think we, you know, this can help elevate that category, just like with Tennessee whiskey. Tennessee whiskey, as we all know, like, you know, 10 years ago, what did we think of Tennessee whiskey? Jack Daniels. That's and, what you and, thought about. And crap, too. Honestly, people who don't drink Jack Daniels thought Tennessee whiskey was just garbage. You, I mean, you'd have a hard-pressed time naming one quality premium whiskey, and now that category is about to explode as well. So it's high time this happened, and, and it makes me really happy if we can, you know, steal any of that market share from bullshit like Crown Royal. I'm all for it. Absolutely. I I haven't had or heard of your that brand you brought up, Matt, but I have had a good year, good ten year Canadian rye before, 
and it was called Whistle Pig Tenure. It's funny that you call. I was going to say. It's funny that you call it a. See now, if Whistle Pig would have called themselves a Canadian whiskey, they wouldn't be Whistle Pig, but Mm -hmm. they could have instead elevated an entire category, which they didn't do. But that's. I mean, recently there there was a huge Twitter blow up about. Um, I forget what what they called it. It was the Whistle Pig something or other, Ver- the Vermont Rye, but it was not. It was it wasn't, and it wasn't me that I was just watching this happen. And one of the big whiskey giants in our industry, who knows more than most other people about whiskey, was like, "I can tell you for a one hundred percent facts that that is not. There's nothing American in that bottle. It's it's Canadian." Those are the things that continue to create the sludge, you know, in Canadian whiskey from both sides. Because, you know, American brands, they have no interest in uplifting that category. So someone's got to do it. All right. Good job, Matt. Matt. I like it. Thank you. I am definitely going to grab a bottle. Yeah. It's expensive as shit, but that's all right. Yeah. It's worth it. Awesome. All right. Well, are you ready to get into this, guys? Let's do it. Let's do it. Just like the bye bye Okay, as I said earlier in the show, if you were listening, you didn't tune out by now. We are going to be discussing the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, hmm, how should I say this? Whether it's complete and utter garbage or not. So let's start off the discussion by going back to the beginning. Let's talk about the foundation and when it was established. So it was established in 1983 by Ahmet Ertegun, who assembled a team that included a Rolling Stone publisher, some record executives, and some attorneys. (laughs) I guess peer-driven doesn't come to mind, or perhaps music producers, those that produce the music. I don't know. Anyway. No one who was fucking stupid. Who's a waist deep in the business, obviously. Um, Yeah, let's get attorneys to decide who should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That sounds like a great idea. And Rolling Stone. (laughs) We're (laughs) going to talk about those mofos. Okay, anyway, the, the foundation began inducting artists in 1986, but the Hall of Fame had no home. So they began searching and they searched a bunch of cities supposedly based on what connection that specific city had to rock music like Philadelphia, which is the home of Bill Haley and the Comets and the American Bandstand. Okay, fair. Memphis, home of Sun Studios and Stack Records. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Or Detroit, home of Motown Records. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Cincinnati, home of King Records, and then, of course, New York City, L.A., Cleveland. Cleveland? Why Cleveland? Chicago in there. Chicago was one of those Chicago. Yeah. yeah, nobody really cared about Chicago, apparently, for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
So one might ask why Cleveland? Well, simple answer is, and this won't surprise anyone, they lobbied for it. Tax they incentives. they yes. offered cool, hard public cash to the tune of $65 million <laughs> in public money to fund the construction and BT dubs. I've been an Ohio resident. I've visited the museum. And guess what? It is not free for Cleveland residents or Ohio residents. Anyway. Cold, hard cash. So, okay. Here's what Cleveland had going for it. To be fair, the famous disc jockey Alan Freed from WJW coined the term rock and roll. And it was... Cleveland was the location of Freed's Moondog Coronation Ball, which is often credited as the first major rock and roll, quote unquote, concert. Um, so, yeah. Uh, also, Cleveland said, we played a key role in breaking several major acts in the U.S. During the 70s and 80s, they broke David Bowie. Was his, that's where he kicked off his first U.S. tour. Bruce Springsteen. Roxy Music, and, as we learned previously, Rush. But this city really, really, really wanted this museum. (laughs) Cleveland business leaders and media companies organized a petition to show the city's support that was signed by 600,000 Northeast Ohio residents. And Cleveland ranked number one in the first 1986 USA Today poll asking people, where do you think the Hall of Fame should be located? So, no surprise, on May 5th, 1986, the Hall of Fame Foundation chose Cleveland as the permanent home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum. Okay, so the groundbreaking ceremony happened on June June 7th in 93. Pete Townsend was there. Chuck Berry was there. Billy Joel was there. So far, so okay. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, the museum was dedicated on September 1st of 95, where the ribbon-cutting ceremony happened by people like Yoko Ono and Little Richard. Mm-hmm. And then there was, and there was a crowd of 10,000 people that showed up. The following night, they had an all-star concert. It featured Chuck Berry, Bob Dylan, Al Green, Jerry Lee Lewis, Aretha Franklin, Bruce Springsteen, Iggy Pop, John Fogarty, and John Mellencamp, and a bunch of others. Okay, so in addition to the Hall of Fame inductees, the museum documents the entire history of rock and roll, regardless of its induction status. So we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the criteria and we're going to talk about snubbing, right? Let's kind of go over what the criteria is. So does anybody know what they say their criteria is? What do you think? What would you guess? Well, the one thing I know, and I might have the exact amount of time wrong, but it has to be, it has to have been 25 years since your either your first record or first hit record or something like that. There has to be a, a, a lapse time. That's really all that I know about that. 
I don't know. Is there is this more of a touchy feely kind of criteria, or is there a hard and fast like getting on a stamp? You can't be alive. So there's the criteria is the influence and significance of the artist's contributions to the development and perpetuation of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Now, now they, they but they do say specifically rock and roll, right? The, and not let just me read music. it again. Let, let me read it again, just so that we have this Sounds as a basis like when we're both to go off, because I'm going to go off tonight. Okay. So criteria includes the influence and significance of the artist's contributions to the development and perpetuation of rock and roll, not music, specifically rock and roll. Huh. So there are five to seven performers that are inducted every year. Now, I just want to make something clear before we go on. So what I just said is very important because the development of rock and roll, right? The contributions. Let's talk about the development of rock and roll. Does anybody know who Sister Rosetta Tharp is? I have heard the name, but I do not. I am not familiar. She is called the godmother or grandmother of rock and roll, but has not been chosen for induction. She is considered to be the first, one of the first rock and roll guitarists. She is the first black guitarist, black female notable guitarist in rock and roll specifically, Mm. not just blues. So... That, that's that's right there. That's where I get lost. That's where I start to scratch my head in confusion oh. if the development is a part of the process. So she's way, way back in the early days. Mm-hmm. The foundation. Foundation. Literally, we're talking yes. about the development. So I would think if you're going to have a rock and roll ha- hall of fame, right? So you're going to want to start off by making sure that people who have developed Rock and roll, let's let's make sure they're all inducted, right? And you could even just start off with, here's the inductees that we're going to kick off. No one has to vote for it. This is just, you know, obviously person such, such, and such, like Elvis Presley would go on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? Mm-hmm. They, they could have just started off like that. Um, so Rosetta was born in 1915. Okay, so... She's definitely there in the origins of rock and roll. Um, so I, I I mean, that's where it all goes horribly, horribly wrong for me is you could have just opened this museum with all of the original greats that were there at the beginning, you know, when that music was, you know, you could really say, well, here are some of the first 10 rock and roll artists. Just start off with them. You know, but what's interesting is I don't know if this has changed or or whatever, but I'm looking on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame website and under the categories, the descriptions for each category, um, it's very interesting what, how they word it. For example, performers. This is how they describe performers. Honoring bands or solo artists which demonstrate musical excellence. Such a descriptor includes, but isn't limited to, influence on other performers or genres, length and depth of career and catalog, 
stylistic innovations or superior technique and skills. Not once in that descriptor did they say anything about rock and roll. They said influence on other performers or genres and musical excellence. And there it is right there. Other performers and genres. So call it the music hall of fame, the American music, the pop music. Don't the crux of the whole scratching the itch here. And again, (laughs) they have an award for musical excellence. Honoring performers, songwriters, and producers who have changed the course of music history. These artists have dedicated their lives to creating influential, important music infused with originality and have achieved a level of timeless distinction. So, you know what? Let's call it what it is. Like you said, the Music Hall of Fame or Popular Music Hall of Fame... I wouldn't even have a problem if they had a subcategory called the Award for Musical Excellence Well, they took all the other people and yes. put it in there. Yes, sure. Because, you know, obviously, and we should probably make this really clear, that n- none of us are here to say rock and roll artists are only inspired by rock and roll artists. Oh, yeah. Very well said. I mean certainly so and that's the beauty of rock and roll as a category and you're absolutely right ed there can be an award for people who are influencers sure but to be in the rock and roll hall of fame until you run out of rock and rollers that make the criteria you had better put everyone in there that belongs in there and just real quick let me just um, make an addendum to Sister Rosetta Tharp. She was finally inducted in 2018. Again, though, she, it was there were petitions to get her in there. Multiple petitions. Can you imagine that she wasn't in the first... Why wasn't she in the first set of inductees? Or the second, or the third, or the fourth, or the fifth, or the sixth, and on. And It took till 2018 after lobbying to get her in there. That to me is shameful, shameful and fucking disrespectful. And you wonder why women have a difficult time seeing themselves and people of color have a difficult time seeing themselves, their faces in rock music. Well, there's one fucking reason. That's a hell of a snub. You're talking mm-hmm. about a foundational person in this entire fucking category, and you're gonna you're gonna come right out of the gate snubbing someone like that. Well, I will two say, thumbs down. I, I agree with you, Sailor. But I will say though, taking a look at this first class uh, from 1986, I would say that people of color were pretty well represented in this first class. I mean, you got uh, Little Richard, Fats Domino, Chuck Berry. Not taking anything away from whatever happened later, but um, I mean, you have heavy hitters in this first class Say, Nate, who's in yeah. the name everybody in the first class uh, yeah so Chuck Berry James Brown Ray Charles Sam Cooke Fats Domino uh, the Everly Brothers Buddy Holly Jerry Lee Lewis Little Richard Elvis Presley uh, and that's it okay so, yeah. what's the one common thread in that whole list you just read to me well I said I agree with what you what are you missing They're all <laughs> yeah. yes I agree yes. with you on that yes yes so that's why I said women and people of color because yes. You'll see that there there is 
giant chunks of time where that's lacking. People of color are lacking and women are grossly lacking in the rock and roll hall of fame. And, and I just wanted <laughs> exactly. And I just wanted to use her as a perfect example because um, those people are also foundational people of rock and roll. And I'm sorry, before the Everly brothers are inducted, which I'm not even sure how I feel about that. She yeah. should have been inducted for sure. Right there with Elvis because she was one of Elvis. <laughs> Anyway, I'm, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole with her. <laughs> we, we have a lot of shit that pisses me off to cover tonight. <laughs> you will not get any disagreement from me. <laughs> so, okay. If you do a Google search of the snubs, oh boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy, are there a lot of articles on the snubs. Yeah. So I wanted to ask everybody, what are, what are the ones that really get to you? People that have been snubbed. For me, um, Motorhead has to be probably personally one of my biggest. That one hurts. Um, um, yep. I haven't really thought about it a lot because um, I don't pay it that close attention to it. But that's one that was brought up that I'm like, yeah, they should definitely be in there. Matt, any thoughts from you? Well, I have the second new on Motorhead, um, which is just, you talk about influencers. I mean, <laughs> how many bands Jesus Christ. Yeah. Motorhead as one of their influences? I, yeah. yeah I mean, to the bands um, we've yeah. covered on this show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll throw another one at you and only because some of their contemporaries are in there and maybe in the next couple of years we'll see it, but at the rate that they're going, maybe not. Uh, but Alice in Chains is another one. Uh, we have Nirvana's in there. Pearl Jam is in there. And I think that uh, hopefully within the next couple of years, they'll get your due, their due as well. Anyone ever heard of a little British band called Iron Maiden? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What did we say about them um, on one of the shows? They've sold the most albums or something like that. I mean, how many albums? Of metal albums or something insane like that, right? Yeah, it's insane. Who else in there? You know, Soundgarden's not in there either. No, Uh, they're not. Reich is not in there. They're still going strong. The Notorious B.I.G. is in there, but not Soundgarden. Yeah. Whitney Houston is being inducted this year. But not Soundgarden, or Motorhead, or Iron Maiden, or Pantera. Who is eligible? Also, another another one that has bothered me always is Link Ray. Link Ray is one of the most influential rock and roll guitarists. He's been a nominee twice. Oh yeah, Link Ray. He was the one that did like the dun dun. dun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Apache. I think, yeah. I think that's the I, one you're I, I, about. You hear that 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 riff in you know millions of different movies. And yeah, stuff, his but... first hit was banned in New York City oh, and Boston. It was Rumble. Rumble, Rumble. that's it. Yes. Yeah, for fear that it was going to incite teenage violence. Yeah. Um, you know, come on, dude, seriously. 
you know, I'll throw another one at you, Sailor, speaking of yes. women who have been overlooked. And, uh, you know, Les Paul is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but Mary Ford, I do not believe, is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think you're right. And um, she I was think... every bit as good and influential as he was. Absolutely. So that one bothers me, too. Um, I don't think she's in. No, I don't. I don't think she is either. Yeah. Um, nope, she's not. Um, another one that really bothers me is Lenny Kravitz, but let me say why. Cindy Blackman. Cindy Blackman should have been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a long fucking time ago. She is one of the most badass rock drummers that has ever. I mean, she's fucking amazing. She's not in there. But also, if you want to talk about someone who's done popular music, but that's more rock than pop, then Whitney Houston, go with Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> not Whitney Houston. I mean, what the fuck? I, um, I would like to hear the justifications for some of so these. There, there, there really aren't justifications. I've read several um, articles about this, and I read um, a blurb to you, Ed, where for a while they were like, this bitch who is one of the, what the hell's her name? I can't even remember. Actually, I don't want to say her name. Who cares? Um, one of the founders was like, well, you know, it's all about selling tickets to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame dinner. Like what people are going to come to this dinner. I mean, really, it is so arbitrary from everything that I've read. It's just, it's arbitrary. And it's up to these, first of all, some of these people, I'm sorry, but they're very out of touch. It's very difficult to stay in touch with modern music. It's especially difficult if you don't really care for that type of music. Right. And I think one of the things the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has prove, proven historically is that they are not big fans of super hard rock at all. Very I think true. that is a very fair assessment to make. Yeah. So yeah, how yeah. the fuck are you going to know who to nominate in those categories if you want to be fair? And if you really want to be fair in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it should be like blues rock, classic rock, country rock, straight up rock and roll metal you know heavy yeah, there's metal, a lot of different whatever. directions you can go and still keep right. it genuine <laughs> sure and if you're going to yeah. nominate five to seven people a year do one in each category yeah. but again you should in my opinion if you're going to do this right when you open this fucking thing and when you have this idea in the 80s you you could have started off with a hundred people already inducted right because yeah. duh you don't open a dinosaur museum and go, I'm fucking waiting for new dinosaurs to be found, you know, or I'm just going to, you know, arbitrarily go, well, let's put the T-Rex in this year, you know, oh, fuck the Stegosaurus Rex. We're going to, we'll, we'll do a pterodactyl next year. You're going to put all the established <laughs> dinosaurs in there first and then see what happens, right? You're going to have the contemporaries vote. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and the dinosaur wasn't. Li- but I mean, <laughs> no, like an intended reference. <laughs> <laughs> and if we're talking Hall of Fames here, I mean, to me, and this might sound silly to some people, but I think there's an argument for it to be made. It's like electing fucking baseball players to like the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's like, yeah. yes, they're both athletes. Yes, they <laughs> both influence um, people who are athletes, but it's two different things. 
I'm sorry. Or you know, <laughs> they have I their think own a, hall a of better fame. analogy would be like um, uh, maybe inducting a famous a softball player into the baseball hall of fame. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yes. Mm, yes. Know. Also, there are a lot of other um, artists. If you want to put pop artists in there, artists that have nothing to do with rock and well, actually, then they're going to have a lot more to do with rock. I shouldn't say that. Let's say non just pop artists, you know, um, there's a lot of other options of people that have contributed more to rock music. I would say than someone like notorious B.I.G. or <laughs> Whitney Houston. Um, if you let let's pick a, a woman that we go, okay, she's an incredible artist that has influenced other rock artists, but she's not a rock artist herself. How about Bjork? I mean, <laughs> she's also a prolific producer. And but does she belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? In my opinion, no. But neither does fucking Whitney Houston. But she does before these people. I that's mean, right. Yeah, that's my point. That's your point. Yeah. Absolutely. And, like, and if you want to throw people, and if you want to go the hip hop route, you know, make a hip hop hall of fame. Does Tupac, that exist? I hope. Yeah. But I'm saying you're putting two. You put Tupac in there. You're putting Notorious B.I.G. in there. You know, there's this guy. His name's Snoop Dogg, a guy that's actually worked with rock artists. Yeah. You know, Run DMC is in there. Worked with rock artists. Sure. Or, you know. Yeah, they had a rock album. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Super they had fair. A rock album. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what am I? I think. Oh, Public Enemy. Are they in there? Let me look it up. So before I go on to that, yeah. so nope. well, someone oh, yes, else they should... are. They okay. are. Yeah. So there you go. Another example. Go. So again, my point being, you know, I would rather have artists that are related to more related to rock. And then if we run out of artists, which isn't going to happen if you're only inducting five to seven a year before choosing straight up pop artists that have nothing. I mean, Aretha Franklin, like anyway. Yeah. So I would really love someone to explain in detail that makes these decisions. Debate with me, Whitney Houston, why she belongs in a rock and roll hall of fame. Tell me why. I mean, Aretha Franklin was I think the reason why we covered her on our show is because she was she was formidable, she was important, she was incredible, and we have the license to stretch what we cover on the show because we can. We're not making any certifications or immovable statements. Um, but if you're a rock and roll hall of fame, you have a duty to the actual category of rock and roll. And I think it's a slap in the fucking face to actual rock musicians that have been snubbed, but Whitney Houston goes in. I believe that Aretha Franklin was most definitely an early influencer. Yeah, she was the first Again, inducted. go in the early influence category. But, but you have I a don't... category for that. Right, yeah. <laughs> sure. But again, before... Other rock artists, other artists that were actually in the category of rock and roll. I don't agree with it. And I love Aretha Franklin. And I think Whitney Houston was 
ridiculously talented. Oh yeah, and an incredible influence. On, yeah, I want to make sure that we're clear that we're not taking away from anyone, but this this is the problem. Um, also, yeah, it's all in the name. Ex- exactly. You know, if you you can change the name, man, I would respect them more for changing the name rather than putting in other artists that don't belong in there than Fugazi, for example. You want to talk about early influencers, Black Flag, early influencers. Um, Yeah. Is Peter Tosh in there yet? Again, Uh, would go before Notorious B.I.G. And again, nothing against Notorious B.I.G. whatsoever. But Peter Tosh belongs in there before Notorious B.I.G. does. But you know what? Yeah, if it was even if it wasn't overtly called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and let's just say it was the Music Hall of Fame, whatever you want to call it, in a fantasy world, are we? I'm I'm still getting angry that Pat Benatar is not in this before Notorious B.I.G. Fuck yeah! Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, so like, what? Like the name name is just the name. Rock and Roll. Like the name is just the name. So I mean, that's only part of it. Absolutely. Name it what you want. People are still getting snubbed. All right. So what's our solution here? Our solution is um, burn the fucking place down. (laughs) (laughs) Glove slap all of these motherfuckers that are on the board or whatever the hell you want to call them that are decision makers. Uh, Just just clean, clean it all out and start over. Make a decision. Either we're gonna change the name. I think they should. Ch- I think they should change yeah, the name. And I think someone should start create a new legitimate rock and roll hall of fame that celebrates rock and roll properly. Yeah, that's what I would prefer already, to see. Yeah, they're already in too deep to start recategorizing things. Yeah, they but, should just yeah, change that's the name. What they need to just change the name. I call it the American Music Hall of Fame because that's really what it has turned into. And that's great. Fantastic. Well, except Fuck there's yeah. a lot of non-American performers in here. Well, it can, that can be like popular to Americans. I mean, because also calling it the Pop Music Hall of Fame. I would call it the Popular Music <sighs> Hall of Fame. I guess. I would call it. I mean, I guess. I guess everybody in here is pretty much popular music. I mean, I'm looking I'm looking through the lists and the lists and the lists. And again, you know, I don't, some of these some of the people, these people in here before actual rock artists is just it's painful. Hey, some people are even in there two and three times, too, if you think about it. I mean, Lennon <laughs> McCartney, um, Eric Clapton is in there two or three times. Yeah. Beatles. Yeah, that's bullshit, too. Yeah. 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 Um, it's a real it's a real problem. You know, it's a real problem to see the the Grateful Dead and Tupac before Pat Benatar or Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. I have a real hard time with that. You know, not to speak, I'm not speaking ill, so I'm not going to say not to speak ill of the dead because this is, again, not disparaging anyone. Um, the Ronettes love the Ronettes. Not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, man. Not before... A lot of the people that we discussed tonight. Well, 
this whole thing just pisses me off. And that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> you know, what I'm really interested to hear is what our listeners think. Oh, hell yeah. We would love to hear your opinions. Sound off on our Instagram feed. Sound off on Spirit of Rock Podcast Network uh, group on Facebook. Let's hear what you think. Are we all full of it? Are we right? Do you have a different opinion? And we, we maybe we'll tackle this again, going over some of your responses. Let's do this. If we get some good responses, some good thoughtful responses, we will read them out on one of our next shows. Yes. Yes. And yes. we will credit you with your response. Yes, I love it. Only if we agree. <laughs> just kidding. Good one. Just kidding. All right. Well, I'm drinking White Claw and pissed off, and that's making me even more pissed off. <laughs> so I think I'm done. <laughs> All right. This is a good, good place. How many work. White Claws did you have? Well, like four cases. <laughs> Man. Not even a buzz. <laughs> and you're only beginning to feel a buzz right after four yeah. cases. Right? The funny thing is I was in, <laughs> without saying too much, let's say I was in the proximity of someone that is in the business of these, of this category of, what do we call them? Canned? Hard uh, seltzers. Hard seltzers. Hard yeah. Seltzers, there you yeah. go. So yeah. they're about the to change. Zimas. Yeah. They're about to change yes. a little bit because there are some companies that are, going to be make or are are or going to be making these with actual quote unquote vodka in them and they believe that's going to <laughs> so i'm, <laughs> I'm told cocktails. they Anyone? believe that that is going to change the face of these hard seltzer drinkers it, they will no longer want to drink white claws and so on when they find out that what they've been drinking was just garbage and the, the vodka seltzers are going to be far superior. And I was just... How was that so... I was, I was I, looking I, at I'm just like, this lady what? and I was like, I get it, you're in sales, but man, you need to go right back to your marketing department and R&D right now and say, stop, stop the it's production. It's all spin. It's Don't all marketing spin. Mother with the vodka. I know. It, it, people <laughs> think... Nobody people, that buys these things give a shit. I know, but there's so many people also that think that if they drink those in lieu of like beer or hard liquor, that somehow amazingly they'll just lose weight. But they're yes. all like a hundred calories per can. When you could have, you know, I could name twelve gins that are like sixty calories per serving. Okay, so these like, yeah, these vodka these vodka ones are supposed to be zero everything, and I'm like. Zero How are everything? you taking zero calories out of vodka exactly? Do you have you some to it? <laughs> magical shit that I don't know about? Because I'm pretty sure every single spirits brand would like to take the calories out of their spirit. Everything like, what are you talking calories. about? Yes. Yeah. So I just wanted to inject. It was really funny. I was just, she was talking. I was like, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's. I can't wait to see how that plays out. That's very interesting. <laughs> very ambitious. <laughs> very dip diplomatic way of putting it. Yeah. Yes. Well, more power to them, I guess. I don't know. But we're going to close the show with that looming question. Will hard seltzer drinkers be more interested in actual vodka in their hard seltzer or not? 
more next time. <laughs> All right. So I guess we're getting out of here, right? We are. All right. Now, if my old ass computer would just let me scroll down to what I need to read. Oh, there it is. Look at that. Like you haven't <laughs> memorized it by now. You've only it, done it about uh, yeah, 300,000 times. Yeah. times. I know. I know. <laughs> You got me on that one, Sailor. You got me on that one. <laughs> well, anyway, not that I'm reading from anything, but thanks for sticking around, listeners. We hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as we did, as much as we they always left. do. They left. They already. left. They, they know how to read from a screen. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and as always, you can find us all on Instagram and Twitter, Metal Rock Whiskey. We also have a super cool Facebook group under Spirit of Rock Podcast Network. You can follow us individually on Instagram as well. You can find me at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey Save the E. Sailor. I am Sailor Retro all over the internet. And they can always find me on Instagram at Bourbon Geek. And hey, listeners, if you love us or even just like us, please hit that subscribe button. Give us a review because it really does matter. And of course, tune in next week for another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Oh, and don't forget, sound off your opinions on our Instagram feed or Facebook group. Do it. This stuff makes you burp a lot. Anyway, <laughs> fuck you, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Bye-bye. Later. Bye.